the future Ducatis went on a hell of a tour as we also say goodbye to number 04. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey guys, welcome to episode 394 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And in the final part of our triple header weekend, we're talking some bikes, baby. And yeah, we had we had a hot one at, at MotoGP, the Grand Prix of San Marino at Misano. And it's it's funny, we, we talked about this a little bit before that um or Sasha said that uh remember of our Discord server said that Misano, he reckons, is arguably the best all-round racing track in the world. He might have an argument. Like, I'd certainly entertain a conversation because this place just produces great MotoGP races every time without fail. And this was no exception. We had a fantastic fight for the win. We had a lot of... Uh, shall we say the dropsies regarding quite a few riders in all the classes as a matter of fact across the board Sergio Garcia and then uh, he had a, a good few in Moto2 as well and uh, you know me having to cancel the Jackass concert because Jack Miller binned it from the fucking lead um, say the line Dre death taxes Ducati tucks the front Yay! there it is um and poor bez as well was another one who binned it from a podium spot um high side in the duke what else is new um but uh we had a fantastic race and yeah a lot to talk about there the title race is it back on we'll be talking about the return of a of a certain rider of course that that rider is cal crutchlow who will be back next time out at aragon Oh, and Mark Marquez was here too. That was uh, interesting, to say the least. We'll talk about that a little bit as well, um, and his future. And well, for lack of a better term, we've we've got some ethical questions to ask of the series as well, um, because a lot has gone down in the last week or so, which you would argue isn't good for bike racing at the moment. But we'll talk about that when we get to it. First up, our set of co-hosts, as ever, the great Cam Buckley. Hmm. Great. He's Who right. are you and what have you done with Dre Harrison? I, I don't know. He's locked in a cabinet somewhere. <laughs> Damn. Oh, uh, you know, more bikes. I'm always down for that. And uh, Man, Honda might actually have some hope going forward. Certainly not after the race, but after the test. <laughs> He's <Certainly>. back. <laughs> Yeah, like so much hype for the return of Cal Crutchlow. Who'd afford it? And also, we got RJ O'Connell. Hello, man. Hey, uh, it was a, it'd been a while since I've been able to sit down and watch a MotoGP race for most of its entirety. I'd say really, really good stuff. Mm. Oh, mm. and these two are going to be teammates next year. Uh, oh, oh yeah, baby. We'll we'll get into all of that in the next forty minutes or so. It's it, it's an intense one. We also get to talk a little bit about the retirement of the great Andrea Davizioso. We'll talk a little bit about him uh, in the next fifteen minutes or so. So all of that in a loaded episode of M101. We're going to pack it in real tight here and uh, get cracking. Um, but uh, places you can find us, uh, if if you like, if you like the cut of our jib, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook dot com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on twitter and motorsport underscore 
101. If you want to find out our personal handles, you can. Me at Harrison101HD, RJ at RJ O'Connell, and Cam C Buckley917. You can follow us on there. We're on Instagram at Motorsport101Pod for clips, previews, and content updates, and that's all that fun stuff. And you can find all of our content on our website, motorsport101.com, including written reviews and analysis from me as a bonus on everything we've seen this past weekend. That's Formula One at Zandvoort. We've got uh, it's IndyCar at Portland, where I gush over Scott McLaughlin. And, of course, more on this very race you're listening to right now. A lot of stuff to get through there, and not all of it fun, unfortunately. But, hey, needs must as we get into it. And, if, of course, you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our episodes before they go out. There's also Discord benefits. And if you back us at the $10 level, you can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded. So thank you to everyone that backs us on there. So without further ado, let's get into the Grand Prix of San Marino. Trey, I regret to inform you, he is still undefeated since becoming a criminal. They just can't beat this guy. He's on the run from the law and he can't be stopped. He's, he's a fugitive. Count him. Four wins. Running from the cop speed. <laughs> get out of my head, camera, Buckley. <laughs> Count him. It's four in a row for Francesco Bagnaia. Hist- history made. The first Ducati rider to ever win four Grand Prix in a row. It never happened until today. Well, th- well, today means this past week, but you know what I mean. It's the first time a Ducati rider has ever won four Grand Prix on the bounce. And this was also special. It was also the closest finish for a premier fl- uh, top class race since Silverstone 2019. Remember that one? That was Alex Rins going around, going around Mark Marquez at the final corner and winning by... Oh, that really had to feel good for for Alex Rins at the time. As as a guy who hates the Marquez family, he reveled in it. He watched him bleed as he crossed the line. Like, it's honestly, to this day, it's still the most angry I've ever seen Mark Marquez for not winning a race. Seriously, it's a, it's a hell of a trip. Um, But yes, just 0.034 of a second covering Francesco Bagnaia and runner-up on the day, Enea Bastianini, who was also announced in the last two weeks, will be Bagnaia's teammate at the factory Ducati team next season. That was confirmed just before Misano. Uh, apparently, you can you can now cut to a live imagery of Jorge Martin kicking rocks as we speak out of sheer frustration at not getting the, uh, the top flight seat. Well, the but- opportunity was there. It's just... Mm-hmm. Didn't work out. Just didn't just, work out. Just didn't work out this time. But also, uh, Rossini's tribute livery to, mm. to their to their founder himself and his eighty seven title winning bike. Oh, that's that's spectacular. Yeah, the the late the late great Fausto Grassini. Um, they had a tribute livery to him at their home race. It's a beautiful uh, white. I, I love the black polka dot with the number on the front. It's very old school beautiful livery and yeah it beat the tribute livery curse which is great to see i mean yeah it didn't win but uh, i mean it got about as close as anyone's gotten to actually beating banyaya since the summer break um but yeah Bastiani, yes. i thought he was gonna get it out of the last corner 
like I love that on on commentary, Gavin Emmett on BT Sport was screaming, "You don't pass at the final corner." It's it's I think it's actually even more acute than a right angle. It's very very hard to pass at that final corner and outbreak somebody that much. And Banyaya is the one. He tried. Uh, Banyaya is just disgusting it on the brakes, but he went for, he tried to square the corner off and it nearly worked. He, he just ran out of road. It was, it was closer than you thought it was going to be going over the line, but uh, Bastianini, a narrow second. Maverick Vinales, his third podium in a row, by the way, in third, becoming leader pretty quite quickly the way it's going at the moment. Alicia Spagaro still not quite there in terms of pace. He had to settle for sixth on the day, but Title implications. Um, Banyaya has now overtaken Alicia Spagaro into second. He controls his destiny. Yep, because with Fabio Quadraro only managing fifth on the day, it means that Banyaya is now only 30 points behind Fabio Quadraro in the championship with six to go. And because there's only five points between first and second on the scoreboard, that means if Banyaya can run the table for the rest of the year and win all six of the remaining races... That's easy enough. Yeah, simple simple task. Um, he will win the World Championship. He controls his own destiny for the first time in a good while. So, yeah, this is going to be a, a fascinating fight going forward, especially when you consider Aragon is next. Banyaya won here last year. Um, beating style, a, I might add. Yeah, yeah, beating Mark Marquez in a straight dogfight for the win. Um, and Quadraro hates Aragon. It's his least favorite track they go to. He can't stand it. So uh, this is going to be a fascinating race. Um, yeah, gentlemen, do you think this title race is back on? Hmm. Well, ultimately, that's up to Pecco. Because <laughs> right. what is Peko Banyaya? Well, he is the embodiment of winner DNF. Dre, drop that stat line for me. The last nine races in MotoGP has either been win or DNF for Peko Banyaya. There has been no in-between. Uh, one of them wasn't his fault. That one of them was, was Catalunya. One of them where, was getting head-butted. Yeah, by Takanakagami at Catalunya. Besides that... We, 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 you, you can't ignore the two crashes under pressure that he had at Le Mans and Germany that has shaped this championship to get to this point. Um, this is a problem. And, well, it's the winning or bin it style of Banyaya. Can that hold up over the course of an entire season? That's, I think... Ultimately, what's good, that's going to boil down to this, in my opinion. And it's it's weird because I've had more faith in Banyaya in the last run of, of the last four than at any time during his Grand Prix career. But we saw this last year. This is ex this is a carbon copy of last season for Banyaya down the stretch. Nuclear run mid-season. Yeah. When, and when then... Won, four out, won five out of the last seven, but blew the title when he crashed getting away from Marquez at this very Grand Prix last year. Mm. Yeah. And ultimately, just that's not going to be good enough. Yeah. Yeah, he was just about to break Marquez in that fight for the win and then crashed at the penultimate corner, turn 15, and <sighs> it 
get, gave the points for Quadraro to win the title outright and led to a Repsol Honda 1 2 finish. But, like, that's the problem with Banyai. He's really far away. Mm. Like, that was, <clears throat> you know, that was peak Banyai in a nutshell. Like, I know some people want to say he's he's worse or better under pressure. There's, I think, that, I think there's an argument you could have either way on this, but that was such a brilliant ride for Banyai this weekend. That was he looked like the best rider in the world. Yeah. He did. He, he looked like he looked like he looked like the dude that Cam would not stop gushing about by the time he finally got that first win on the board. Yeah, he's finally achieving his form. Mm. The, the thing with Banyai is that it's mm. uh, what what have we seen out of him and all the Ducatis? Because uh, how many Ducatis hit the deck? I want to say what? three. Good God, Z- Zarco's taxes. wasn't his fault. Mm. Yeah, we're not not going to blame that one on you know that that was entirely a separate thing. Mm. But that's just it. it. The front tire tuck is never far away. And all it's going to take for all of this title hype to derail is one instance of Pecco hitting the deck. Because Fabio, for better and for worse at this point, he's going to, he may not win the race. At this point, he's struggling to get on the podium, but he is going to maximize whatever's on the table for that bike on a given weekend. Yeah, he, he said it after, he said it after this race, he could give no more. He said that that fifth was the absolute limit. And he was beaten straight up by Luca Marini um, on last year's Ducati, which is wild to say the least. Um, Wait, Luca Marini, Valentino Rossi's half brother? That's crazy. I know. Never no one ever I never knew. Yeah, also no- crazy. The Maverick Vinales redemption arc is in full swing, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Podiums, 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 and uh, yeah. My man still still rucking him up, Maverick, and riding really well, really well. It's getting a, be- a little better every weekend on the Aprilia, and mm. Alicia Spargaro, you know, still probably suffering a little bit with the injuries he suffered, unfortunately, in the test that followed this race. Broke his pinky. Ow. Yeah. Not ideal. I've been there. I've done it. Ow. Never fun. He's like, and to put into perspective just how ridiculous this Banyaya win was, I think a lot of people forgot just how devastatingly fast Anea Bastianini is at Misano. He got this Grassini gig off the back of two podiums here last year on a GP19, a two-year-old bike at the time. Um, that was really what put Anea Bastianini on the map. Um, as a MotoGP rider. And that final lap, he nearly tucks the front and bins it at turn four, trying to lunge into Banyaya at that complex, almost crashes, loses about five bike lengths, gets it all back and tries a last corner lunge and set the fastest ever race lap of Masano in the process. It was he a beautiful was completely, he was I would disagree. He was completely out of control over the limit in the best way possible. Yeah, it was every the... corner was mm. every corner was a crash. He just didn't drop the bike. 
Yeah, it was, I'm going to win this race or crash trying mode. Um, where, you know, it's, it's like a 50-50 chance he bins it at every corner and he just didn't, he just didn't drop it and got away with it. But yeah. even so, an incredible, one of the laps of the year for Mineo Bastianini, despite the fact he didn't win. He was over the limit, beyond it. It was ridiculous. And he had to go that hard to try and win this race. And it still wasn't enough because Pecco Bagnaia at the moment is that good. Yeah. He's, you he's don't outbreak Pecco Bagnaia at this point. Like, yeah. Under pressure, it's weird because when he folds under pressure, it's usually he just, you know, it's not like bike to bike or in combat like that. He just crashes because under pressure, bike to bike, he's just impervious. He's probably a better pursuer than we give him that he is a front runner. Yeah. It's maybe. It's, it's a weird mix where it's like, at times he folds under pressure. At times he's brilliant under pressure. It's it's a very weird mix. It's it again. It's peak Banyaya. It's the yeah. I don't quite know where the line is Banyaya, and it's can he find it? Is like is there a suboptimal scenario for Banyaya coming up where he has to take the points? But like you want to think there's one of these coming, but he's had chances to and cashed in at every race we've had since the summer break. So it's like, is there a suboptimal scenario for him at the moment? Because Ducati, We're gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, you know, if when one confronts him, because we've seen him be unable to take the points. A very 2015 Marquez esque in that sense, where yeah. it's always just 100 percent all of the time. If he's in a situation where he's not in a position to win, if he wants to win this title, he can't drop the bike. Yeah, right. He's, he's going to have to proverbially uh, pay tribute to the man that he paid tribute to on his helmet this weekend by proverbially kicking the field in the nuts and not doing the thing which, among the many other grim things that Dennis Rodman did throughout his career, includes the thing you got in trouble for over the summer break, Pecco. You dumb motherfucker. Great, honestly. Fantastic, gr fantastic self awareness. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yes, for those who didn't see it, he had a Dennis Rodman tribute helmet this past weekend. And yeah, off, like, which, you know, for those who don't know Dennis Rodman, like, in a strange sense, he was kind of progressive about, you know, embracing who you are as a and person. And a fantastic member of a championship winning team, it has to be said. But of just, course had so so much baggage yeah like look i'm not gonna like a lot of journos absolutely destroyed banyaya for this i know matt oxley called out banyaya in person during the weekend to talk to him about it and banyaya gave us the the often trotted out line of um i'm admiring the athlete on the court rather than off the court you know it's where do you separate the two? I yeah. don't think you can at this point when it comes to sports discourse because, unfortunately, Dennis Rodman has done many horrible things in his life, including multiple arrests for domestic battery from all three of his ex-wives. Um, 
mul- like multiple accusations of sexual assault that he settled out of court. And as RJ alluded to, multiple incidents of drink driving, which again is ironic because Banyai got done for that in the off season, which is just mind-blowingly dense. Somehow really. not the scummiest member of the old NWO from back in the day, as it turns out, but... Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Um, Levels to it. Can't see the bar, it's too low. Yeah, like, it's... It, it's it, it, it was a great piece about this from Matt Oxley, which we'll talk about a little bit more as well later on in the show. Um, it was... If you haven't read... I like Oxley stuff is generally fantastic as it is. It doesn't need any recommendation from us, but... This give one it to in, you anyway. Yeah, but this one in particular on Motorsport Magazine was a fantastic piece talking about the fan survey and talking about what fans really want. And as a, a guest interview in that piece, he talked to Matt Bishop, the great Matt Bishop, the uh, uh, current uh, communications officer for Aston Martin Formula One openly gay and you know obviously he's spoken many a times about the difficulties of being openly gay in one of the most macho environments in the world a formula one paddock um and he's been he's worked with the greatest names in formula one history over the last 25 years and oxy asked him straight up if lance stroll or sebastian vettel wanted to wear a dennis rodman tribute what would you say and he was he said i would strongly recommend against it (laughs) Matt Bishop is not the reason why Aston Martin is struggling right now. Or not for no. that matter, Sebastian Vettel. No. Like, he's the man. And, um, yeah, like, if Matt Bishop is saying that in good faith, then I would listen because he's a good man. And he's, he's, one, of the, he's one of the good ones in a paddock that doesn't have many of them in that sense. So, yeah, it, that kind of says it all. What the fuck, Pecco? Don't be stupid. It's a good um, win, though. It's a good win. Great win. Fantastic win. You know, brilliant performance. But my God, like foot in mouth. Jesus Christ. Um, Self-awareness Hall of Fame, other than today's uh, tweet from uh, from the official Lay Me account that was deleted. And I'll say no more than that. And uh, and we'll segue us right along, right the heck along to Andre DeVizioso. 22 oh. seasons in the game. From 125s to 250s, all the way up to the big boy bikes. Three times a MotoGP World Championship runner-up. This was his last race. What a career it was. <sighs> the only say- regret that I have is that he wishes he had the sad going out that Michael Jordan had with the Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> this was the, not the last two seasons out. full-time that we saw of Andrea Davizioso. Do not speak to the extraordinary quality of a rider that he was throughout the mm-hmm. rest of his career because, I mean, winner on three different bikes. Most people don't get the opportunity to even win on two. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps his biggest crime as a rider is that he wasn't arguably the greatest freak talent that we've ever seen on a motorcycle, Mark Marquez. And even then, gave Mark more than his fair share of bloody noses along the way. Yeah, um, Dovi is fourth, I believe, on the all-time appearances list. I think it's 345, something crazy like that. Um, very rare to get someone in the 300 club in their Grand Prix career. Um, yeah, it's him, it's Valentino, and Harry, many others. 346 races across all categories, 24 wins, 103 podiums, 20 poles, 22 fastest laps, 
a 125cc World Championship, and of course, runner-ups in 250 and MotoGP. Three straight years from 2017 to 2019. And remember, he came to this Ducati team when it was in a bad way. And people were thinking, well, if Valentino Rossi cannot strangle results out of this bike, what the heck is Andrea DeVizioso going to do when he's arguably not even the best dude on the Tech 3 team that he left to get there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What he did was he knuckled down work with the team in place and eventually got into building the gp15 which was the real breakthrough bike uh didn't win a race but damn when we were watching it do commit war crimes down the front straight of phillip island 2015 oh yeah you knew the storm that was coming <laughs> his teammate andrea had only at the time i think uh, that race at one point Topped out at 350 kilometers an hour, which is about 217 in Queen's English. Well, you remember still, when Ianone won first? Race. You remember when Ianone yeah. won first and everybody was thinking, well, damn, did did Ducati keep the right Andrea? As it turns mm. out, they did. They did. Um, and, so, I mean, the other biggest shame for me is that this relationship with the team got so bad over time with the technical team at Ducati that... For the last two years there, he wasn't even on speaking terms with them, despite the still racking leathers. up d- <laughs> the fun employed leathers, <laughs> despite the fact that, you know, man was still the best rider, not named Mark, by a country mile. Easy. It's if it wasn't for Mark Marquez, he wins three MotoGP World Championships. and He's one of the greatest riders of all time. There is... No doubt about that. He had. He was the only man who could give Prime Mark Marquez something to think about, and he beat him in many a one-on-one duel. I think it was six times they were on a final lap showdown. Davizioso beat Marquez straight up. Just killer race craft, disgustingly late on the brakes, and just playing with Mark Marquez and putting him exactly where he wants him. He was a genius in that regard. In fact, he was nicknamed The Professor, during his riding career for his intelligence. He was a real, genuine rider's rider, and and he had the respect of the entire paddock. He never crossed that line into dirty tactics or any of the ethics of bike racing conduct that we talk about or maybe maybe have written about sometimes, every once in a while. But well, um, he, He'd go out there, throw his leg over the bike, and put his best foot forward every single weekend um as long as you stay out of the ducati garage you will not find a person with a bad thing to say about andrea davizioso none i've never i've not heard a bad word said against dovi in in besides jorge lorenzo who was being a moany bitch at the time because dovi didn't play team orders when he was competing for a championship um and to be fair that was i think that was the other way yeah it was the other way around because lorenzo was the one who wouldn't play team orders yeah lorenzo was being a dick in other words and I don't think that was in good faith at all. Besides that, I've never heard a bad word said against Dovi in 20 years of him being a bike racer, ever. And it's a shame he only has one more title to his name. He's one of the best riders of all time who was beaten only by the greatest riders of all time. And yeah, 15 wins in the top flight is nothing to scoff at. Three times a championship runner-up. One of the most iconic one-on-one battlers in the history of this sport. An all-round good guy. Um, 
happy retirement, Andrea Levitziozo. See you on a motocross track some ways. And you know what? Think of it. Think of it this way: you don't have to go on the flyaways. That's a huge plus. <laughs> you know what he could do? You know, he could get he could back get back into DTM. He could back drive some GT3 cars. Look, if Valentino Rossi could do it, I bet you he could make a solid living transition into four wheels. If he wants to. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's move on and let's talk about Mark Marquez. Back. We we mocked the idea of Mark Marquez being back on a motorcycle anytime soon. Last week, we saw that there was rumors flying around that Mark Marquez was going to get to Misano and take part in the test, and we all thought Alberto Puig was on a gallon of LSD. Um, we thought, what stupid idea was this? And, well... <laughs> Turns out he did get to Masano. Turns out the Mayo Clinic did sign him off. And turns out he did ride both days in the Masano test after the Grand Prix had finished. Rode over 100 laps over the course of the two days. And yeah, the feeling in that camp, overwhelmingly positive. Um, the bone is fixed. The, the bone, it's, which by the way, we found out actually had a 34 degree bend. Oh humorous. my god! For reference, the uh, the number of degrees of banking that Talladega Super Speedways corners have is thirty three. So just a, a little bit more than a Talladega Super Speedways banking worth of rotation in that uh, that humorous. That's god, terrifying. Damn. That is terrifying. And yes, a Fiat his his humorous are twisted thirty four degrees. The bone is fixed. Now it's going to be a matter of getting the muscle strength back in his arm because no matter what you do there is nothing that can replicate the g-force and the work of the muscles that you have and the shapes that you throw off the bike when you're working on a motorcycle there's nothing that that uh, compensates for that so um it it's now going to be a game of when can marquez get the strength back to ride again i mean mark said himself He's eyeing up a race before the end of the season. The question I ask is, should he? Well, if I'm Honda, I'm thinking, we got to salvage something's left. Mark, if you can ride, could you please give us a little bit of something? Like, this championship's toast. We don't want to go completely sad. We had that happen when you missed the whole 2020 season. Yeah. Um... I think for this season, it's a bit of a wash, no matter what, no matter when he comes back, just because one race isn't going to be enough uh, to really get to really get the muscles back in his arm working 100 percent. That's just going to be time, time and work. But laying the foundations for 2023, especially given you got to do something with this bike. And you've got you're resetting at least half of your rider lineup with both Mir and Rins coming in. Mm -hmm. There has to be some kind of baseline that they can work with with riders who are actually staying there for uh, 2023. Oh. And if he can somehow BS that bike into the top, I don't know. If he could get a top five out of that, I may just have to draw. I, I may have to just drop to my knees and worship. Well, to be fair, he did earlier this season. He was right around that range before the arm surgery. 
So it's yeah. doable. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> with no muscle in his arm, he was the fastest Honda at the test. <laughs> wouldn't he like? Wouldn't he have like been the fastest qualifier out of all the Hondas at the best time that he set was Dunder and qualifying for the race? I think with with track conditions that pretty much everyone went faster than qualifying. So yes, but also not really. It's but irrespective of that, but yeah, still fastest Honda during the test over Paul Spagro, who has just had enough of everything HRC is right now. He he is done. He wants out. Mm-hmm. So of course he's going to KTM. Well, that's painful. Yeah, he said that Honda straight up isn't working hard enough after that crash at Masano. He was collected in, unfortunately. Not again, not Paul's fault, but you could tell he's had enough. Um, he, he can't wait to ride that gas gas next year instead. And yeah, fair play to Alex Marquez. He didn't. He did end up in the top ten. It was, you know, I think his best result of the year so far. But it was also Honda's first top ten in the last five races. Oh my God! Sweet succulent points. Oh boy! Yeah, we are we are now celebrating when Honda gets points. This is this is a weird timeline. This is the point that Repsol Honda has fallen to in 2022. It wasn't even Repsol. That he was the satellite bike Mm. beating the factory. And let's not forget that you know they had to out. They they are literally outsourcing their swing arms to Calix. Which yeah, is that a is huge. Deal. That is, yeah, they outsourced an aluminum swing arm to Calex, the Moto Two, Moto Three chassis gurus, and we we talked about this the last time we attempted to record this. Mm. Honda has never done that, ever, ever. <laughs> they have not, as far as I can tell, going back in the history between you know the current bikes back to the start of the four strokes, back all the way through the two strokes, and the funny oval piston bike. They had never outsourced such a major chassis component of the bike. And even back to their stint from you know the late 60s back to when they started Grand Prix racing. On the motorcycle side, they had never done this. That is how deep HRC's shit is. It's also weird just like thinking of a, of a top-tier uh, factory squad just like outsourcing parts from from a moto 2 and moto 3 team it'd be like if a if a top nascar team like joe gibbs racing or hendrick motorsports was struggling and so they had to outsource parts from like an xfinity or truck series team well funny Mm. you mentioned that (laughs) there are stories of that throughout the years but you know calex is damn good at what they do i mean you were a factory and you were coming in just as an engine supplier Calyx might not be bad to tie up with. So they know what they're doing. They do. We just need Good to see whether them. HRC does. I mean, the way I see it, take a few rounds out, maybe yep. Philip Island. I think that you know, ultimately it's up to him and it's up to his doctors because a test is not a race weekend. No. And then the not other thing is as there. well. And, Dre, we had talked about this before as well. Mm. HRC has to be terrified right now. Because Mark has openly said, if I don't get a win, if I don't have a winning project, I'm going to look elsewhere. Yeah, he said straight up, 
I need a winning project. And Mark Marquez hits free agency at the end of next season. And remember, they're going to have more races pretty soon. He's, he's not going to be asking for no pay reduction on his net steal. Or should he? Which not is hilarious. Given... With... <laughs> go on, Dre. Go on, Cam. No, go on, go on Cam. You're you good. Not when he, with 1.2 arms, is still the fastest rider on that bike. Yeah. You know, if, if anything, it might be easier for them if 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 Yoamir finds a way to, to 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 actually get close to his level. We have to wait and see on on that front. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a tense time at Honda certainly, and I think there's a lot of people who's a lot of people whose jobs are lining up on this. And yeah, you need, oh, you know, you you're gonna need to restore some faith in the whole operation because if you don't you could be in some trouble that's 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 certainly one to keep an eye on and who will be a hotter free agent in recent memory than mark marquez you will have the entire sport lining up to sign him good luck whole thing kawasaki might even consider like just starting a like a program like fuck it we'll come back if we could get mark (laughs) (laughs) Suzuki, we want to redo (laughs) <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll do the Eddie Jordan and I'll, I'll give you half the team to come join us MV Augusta is making the step up again <laughs> we don't we don't talk about that Husqvarna oh lord BMW Sutter running out of running out of sub fans here no, that's that's funny um okay Let's talk about the other end of the scale here as well, because... Yeah, speaking of things that will be received greatly... (laughs) Oh, God. More moral bankruptcy. That's right. They're not the first. It probably won't be the last, but MotoGP has signed a a, a letter of understanding uh, that they plan to race in Saudi Arabia at a brand new purpose-built circuit in Jeddah. Not the Corniche circuit. Thank God for that. Oh, my <laughs> Jesus. <goodness>. With plans <laughs> to develop the area for residents. Uh, Formula One's done it. Formula E does it. Streamed E does it. And then, of course, there is, you know, the entirety of Live Golf, which is basically a sovereign wealth fund. It, it is it is blatantly the most sovereign wealth fund form of sport that there is. Uh, and they still couldn't get Tyler to jump. Tiger Woods to jump for a billion dollars, but that's neither here nor there. <sighs> I know what we're thinking. This ain't great that we're going here in the future. And I don't think we're all surprised here, but let's let's talk about it. Let's wrap. I'm not surprised. It. I'm just disappointed. Yeah, I think that's the fairest way of summing this up. Um, in the. <sighs> If you saw this, if you didn't see this coming, you're crazy. Like, if anything, MotoGP is late to the wagon in terms of taking that Saudi money. We all know they have a $400 billion fund to, you know, raise the profile of sports in their country, as well as we call it, sports washing. And, yeah, I can't say I'm surprised. I mean, I'm disappointed. They, like, Spa was on the table. For God's sake, you know, it's Spa's on the table. They renovated the whole track just to get bikes to show up and they may lose their Formula One race for it. Oh, yeah. Like, 
it is wild and I, 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 it disappoints me. Like it's like to be certain, of course, you know, our problem is not with, with like the general populace of Saudi Arabia. Our problem is no, with no. the upper 1% of 1% of 1% that, you know, control we have all the problem with the people, uh, oppressing those people on the ground. Yeah. See also, see also any Republican stronghold in the United States. Um, mm. I mean, I mean, it's funny because like this comes out like just days removed from the whole hubbub about we're introducing sprint races. We are dressing down reporters for suggesting that this is a terrible idea. And then we're releasing the poll results of that fan survey that show they're like, eh, actually, nobody really, really wants this. But they'll watch it anyway. It's the. Th- Cam, what's the phrase by Mark Twain? There are liars. There's lies, damned lies, and statistics. And I stand by this. If you're going out of your way to fill in a 15-minute survey on MotoGP on social media, you are one of the most hardcore 1% of fans that will probably watch MotoGP no matter what form of the product is on television. You will watch the sprint races because, hey, it's another race. You will probably watch the Saudi Arabian MotoGP rounds because, I mean, they've raced in Qatar before, and those races generally very good to great. And if if you're listening to us, chances are you're watching. Like, let's be frank, you know. So we are the most hardcore. Our opinions don't really matter as much because we're going to watch anyway. The one that irks me is that you claim you want to grow that women 18 to 34 demographic. You want young women to watch your product. You are alienating half your potential audience by letting Peko Banyaya race with a Dennis Rodman tribute helmet and then taking on Saudi Arabia, where we all know women have been oppressed in that country for decades. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? How tone deaf do you look right now? I mean, again, I say this as someone who has butted heads with people that are very high ranking within MotoGP and you know there's a tinge of regret that comes with that but I'm no longer as afraid of speaking out about how I feel about this series and I've held this back for quite a long time regarding this because I've I've tried to give MotoGP the benefit of the doubt Formula 1 at least pretends to give a shit about deeper societal problems and a lot of that is carried off the, off the backs of Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel, by all accounts. MotoGP is already bankrupt. It it just is. Like, this... They yeah, the, don't one to- the one top-class rider who actively gives a shit could be run out of the sport in a short amount of time because he's suffered an injury that he can't come back from. Yeah, that's Frankie Morbidelli, who has a black mother back home in Brazil. And been one of the very, very few to speak out on deeper societal issues. He said he said himself he was he was like the ins- only. Yeah, like seeming like like he openly said he was inspired by Lewis Hamilton to start using his platform to speak out more. Yoan Mir has done it very briefly, to be fair as well, but it's not much out of that camp. And you know, 
I said before, Formula One is genuinely trying to make an effort in terms of diversity, and the the progress is slow, but it's getting there. I can see what they're trying to do with this. MotoGP doesn't give a shit. Yes, they tweeted out Black Lives Matter when George Floyd was murdered, but then how many people of color do you know that are in MotoGP? There's only one. There's only one black rider of any creator nationality that is in the ladder to begin with. Yeah, Josh Wheatley in Moto3, and he only debuted this year. Um, and, you know, he's only getting the attention he's really getting in the UK because he's he, because he's British and because our national broadcaster here absolutely loves him and their team boss, Michael Laverty, is a pundit on the broadcasts, which is a huge conflict of interest, but here we are. Um and Francis Bradfield, who's done work with Michelin as a tire supply, he was taking a knee during the national anthem two years ago during the pandemic, and he was the only one doing so. And that made me very sad. But I turned a blind eye to a lot of that. I thought, hey, maybe the sport will get its shit together. Nope. They've done that. They've buddied They've up with... They've hog in the other direction, it feels like. Well, yeah, and if anything, they've fully embraced crypto... They fully embraced the funny money, as we've called it on this show before. You know, they were they were doing coins with they were they were doing Bitcoin deals with with track sponsors. They were used- they doing that before the AMC, the great AMC pump and dump that seemed to get like everybody into crypto by the end. Yes, they they, they were one of the first on they were one of the first sports on the wagon. Like, man, you know, how, before, how like- long how long is that gonna last? Yeah, yeah, they they, they the, leapt on that wagon pretty much the same time the Formula One team started to dabble with it. Yeah, you know they used their image to sell NFTs um, last year. I, I spoke to people in within Formula One who were shocked at how fast MotoGP turned turned that round. Um, people that I know work in Formula One and were considering going down the NFT road themselves, and well before their plan blew up in their face spectacularly regarding NFT value, but they had no problem having digital collectibles. They've had no problem dabbling with Bitcoin. And now you're racing in Saudi Arabia. Like, come on guys. Like the series is just morally bankrupt. And look, we're hypocrites to a degree. We're all going to watch. We're all still going to watch. Racing's good. Racing is, but the product is, 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 overall great this has been a bit of a down year for gp they're starting to find their feet again but we watch it because we love their product and it's it's just a shame that there's so much bullshit that comes with that that irks me as a fan of the product i mean again silverstone there was racism in the paddock and it went unreported outside of the twitter account of Simon Patterson and his fiance. You know, it's it's there's so many little eagles that just make me think this series doesn't give a shit about its place in the world. You I don't think we're in a luxurious place anymore where you can separate sports and politics. You can't. Not in 2022. No. Uh, and it's incredibly frustrating that arguably my favorite motorsport series leans this way. And there's no getting around that. It's very frustrating. Because we'd like more people to get in this stuff, right? But, you know, sometimes they just don't give people the incentive to want to jump on board. No. 
unless you really unless you can really compartmentalize. And for some people, that is harder than others. Yeah. Well, when poli- well, well, when the politics that people want to keep out of sports are killing people, it's a little bit difficult. Yeah. Where you want, like, as I've always said, where you want to draw your moral line is ultimately up to you. We can't tell you where that line is. Only you can figure that line out. And But I can't sit here in good conscience and good faith and say this is a great series to get into if you're activist leaning if you're the sort of person that wants to get on the internet and understandably back activist causes this is not the sporting series for you and don't get me wrong there's not many good ones in 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 this way of life in 2022 but that's just us being honest with you as viewers and listeners and consumers of our products that look This series is morally bankrupt, and it's got a long, long way to go before it before it changes anyone's minds on that. If you've been paying attention for the last three or four years or so, please so, like our silly sport. That's been the theme of the week. Please like my dumb sports: IndyCar, Formula One, MotoGP. You fucking name it. It's been please like my dumb series, left, right, and center. Ugh. Should we get out of here? I think we should get out of here. MotoGP is back in two weeks' time at Aragon. Uh, should be a fascinating round. Like I said, Quadawaro hates it. Banyaya loves it. We could be getting another big swing in the title fight. We'll have to wait and see. We'll also have the Formula 1 Italian Grand Prix. That'll be next up for three ninety-five for us. But, uh, yeah, basically, you can find us one more time. YouTube, Facebook, Motorsport 101, Twitter, Motorsport underscore 101, personal handles at Harrison101HD, at cbuckley 917 at RJ O'Connell, Instagram, Motorsport 101 pod, website, motorsport101.com, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Until next time, embrace the ketchup and mustard F1 car. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connell and Cam Buckley. Until, until then, sayonara. Later, y'all. Please like our dumb podcast. Please Please do. Please like our dumb podcast. It's almost a 400 episodes. Oh, my God. What the fuck? We're hitting another century.